Hey everybody, this is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, is sitting across the table from me. And um, we're going to talk to you about elder law issues. Here we are in early 2022. And Elizabeth, I don't know if you knew this, but your life expectancy just increased on January 1st. Are you, are you feeling healthier? Are you feeling... Uh, better about about your life that's a good question well at 38 i guess i hope that i have at least another lifetime ahead yeah you've got a few more years to go than i do at least according to the tables we'll see how that turns out if we don't get at each other with hammers and taunts hey i survived my ski trip <laughs> you know it's, i think a lot of people will be surprised to hear the for they've been reading that for the first time with the covid pandemic uh, life expectancy actually got shortened last year in the United States uh, because of the, the, the excess deaths as a result of the pandemic. But the federal government is kind of catching up to long-time increases in life expectancy. And they just rewrote the life expectancy table for retirement accounts. It basically gave everybody about a two-year addition in their life. And that's significant for retirement accounts, as I say, for IRAs and 401ks and 403bs and all the defined contribution plans because it determines how much you have to take out each year after you reach the age where you have to start taking money out. So everybody's got about two more years. That means that they take out a, a, a small fraction, smaller amount every year. Good news. Very good news, Robert. And what I will tell many people listening today is this just confirms that when we look across the country at how people are holding their wealth, how people are conveying wealth from generation to generation. Years ago, people had pensions. Today, they have IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, different kinds of retirement plans. And that is just a booming industry. And I don't even know the, the rough numbers on it today, Robert, the amount of money on average somebody will have in their retirement. But that is something that I think the rules and as we see updates affect many, many clients of ours. I think, in fact, the, the, the literature all says that my generation, the boomer generation, has failed to plan adequately. So we don't collectively, we don't have enough money in our retirement accounts. So it's worth observing that if you are taking more than the minimum distribution out of your retirement account, the changes don't change anything. You can still take more out, although we'd like to encourage you to figure out how not to take it out. Most of our clients, far from all of them, but most of them would like to take less out because when you have to take out money, it's all taxable income. If you're living on your social security and your private pension, uh, and, uh, and you don't really need your retirement account money, then that just means you pay income taxes on something that you're just then putting into the bank to save on. So the new rules allow you to take it out a little more slowly. For those people, that's good news. Of course, the SECURE Act passed a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic, and that changed the minimum distribution rules also to favor people saving their own money. And the big change there was to change the, the start of having to take money out of your retirement account to age 72 from what had been age 70 and a half. 
I, don't, I never understood why they said 70 and a half. What was wrong with 70 or even 71, but used to be 70 and a half, now it's 72. So you get to leave your money in the retirement account for an extra year and a half, and you take it out at a slower rate than you did two years ago. Well, Robert, remember though, with the SECURE Act, it also changed for beneficiaries of retirement plans, how quickly, how quickly they may need right. to take it out. There's bad news too. I wanted to focus on the good news because there is good news for the account owners, but generally there's bad news in the SECURE Act. The, um, the, the change in life expectancy has a small positive effect on the beneficiaries of retirement accounts, but mostly for the beneficiaries, the news is all bad. And as, as probably everyone realizes, um, because this is, there's been two years of conversation about this, you now have to, for most people, you have to close out all of the money you inherit in an IRA or a 401k or a 403b or a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. You have to take it out within 10 years of the death of the person who collected the money in the account in the first place. There are a bunch of exceptions, but that's the rule for most beneficiaries other than spouses. And Robert, every once in a while, because of the specifics in a case that's compressed and it may be five years. That's right. It's once in a while, five years, and it's once in a while. It's harder and harder to extend it, but it's once in a while the life expectancy of the beneficiary. Well, and, and remember, if you're a spouse, that changes the ball game a little bit. Indeed. So spouses still are allowed to roll over their, their inherited IRA or 401k into their own IRA. Um, and that can literally mean if, if my wife dies leaving an IRA with me as the beneficiary, that can literally mean that I can take that money and just drop it into my existing IRA. You know, I see clients all the time who who keep them separate. Well, this is the money I inherited from my wife or my husband, and this is the money that I put together myself. You don't have to do that. You can you can add them together. You can also break them up. You can have six or seven different accounts. You can, you can move your IRAs and your 401ks around from custodian to custodian. Um, but, um, but if you're a, a spouse and you inherit, you, you get to treat it as if it was always your IRA. That's good news. That is good news, Robert. And, and we have to remind people that when we ask questions about retirement accounts, it's, it's really because we want to make sure we understand how they will be transferred on your death. So many people say, well, you don't need to worry about my retirement account. I already have the beneficiaries designated. Well, that's great. We're happy for you. <laughs> but we also want to make sure we know how it will actually play out depending on the ages of the beneficiaries and who they may be. Robert, I think one thing that is important for people to think about as we're looking at changes in retirement planning and positives is that I see many people who are using those beneficiary designations on different kinds of retirement assets to spread the wealth among multiple beneficiaries. Many times people just think they can only name one beneficiary on a retirement account. Not true. Exactly. And for instance, in your scenario where we're asking clients about their beneficiary designations, suppose that a client has a couple hundred thousand dollar IRA and in their will, they leave a hundred thousand dollars to their favorite charity. Well, we want to have a conversation with them. 
The charity may be a better beneficiary for the IRA, not all of it. Maybe, as you say, Elizabeth, we can construct the beneficiary designation so that the first 100,000 peels off to a charity. Uh, that, that's a good tax-wise decision to make, and that's why we ask them. The other reason we ask them is because we so often find that they think they know who the beneficiary is. When they get the form and look at it, they scratch their head and say, oh my gosh, I didn't remember making that change. Or Robert, they ask the custodian for the beneficiary designation form and the custodian says there's not one on file. We see this happen time and time again when custodians have moved from paper files to electronic beneficiary designations. So really it's it's incredibly important that people check those beneficiary designations on an annual basis. A few years ago for a seminar that we were doing, I decided I wanted to demonstrate how easy it was to change the beneficiary on an account, on a retirement account. And I personally had an old Vanguard uh, IRA from my first round of practice before I went to work for the government 40 years ago. Never consolidated that with the other retirement account money that I have or done it. I've just sort of left it out there. And I thought, well, I will get the beneficiary designation from my account. I will put it up on the screen and we'll change the beneficiary right in front of the whole audience and I'll show them how easy it is. Can you imagine my surprise when I learned that I did not have a beneficiary designation on my then 30-year-old retirement account? The odds of me never having designated a beneficiary, since this is what I do for a living, were exactly zero. Something happened in 30 years to undo the beneficiary designation that I had made. To my wife, it's, it's a perfectly boring, ordinary kind of beneficiary designation. But I love to explain that story to people to say, no matter how sure you are about what you have, go get the beneficiary form from your IRA custodian and go get the, any designations you have on your, on your brokerage account and any other assets because you may be surprised what you have done or not done. And Robert, let's remind people that you're all going to be getting your 1099s in February. Some of you may get them a little bit earlier, a little bit later on your various accounts. One of the things that I think is a great reminder is when you get your 1099 in the mail, why don't you go to that account and see what the beneficiaries are that are designated? It's kind of a good annual reminder to do that for each of your accounts. Right. It is a good, it's a good thing to get in the habit of doing on a regular basis. And, uh, and bring them to us when you come to see us about your estate plan. We would very much like to not just have you tell us who the beneficiary is, but for all the reasons we've discussed, we'd like to see it. We'd like to see if there's some change that you might make to better accomplish what you want to do. Remember also, Elizabeth said, uh, you, can, you can spread money, retirement money, around among various beneficiaries. Remember that your IRA has a different value to each of the potential beneficiaries. It has all the same value to you, but your child who has, a, has amassed a huge fortune and is in the highest tax bracket gets less benefit out of your IRA than your child who is a struggling artist and, uh, and has a very low tax bracket. Um, and so that may, may have some effect on your beneficiary decisions as well. These are all conversations we want to have with you in the course of ordinary estate planning. Well, Robert, that leaves me with some work to do. I better go check my beneficiary designations. I need to go check and make sure I get all those 1099s. You remind me that I tend to let them go into the wrong place on the, 
on the counter next to my door at the at the house. So I need to set up a folder to stick them in so I can get them all to the accountant as they arrive. Bunch of things we have to do. I, I tell you, this adulting is harder than uh, <laughs> than it was supposed to be. Well, you've been listening to me, Robert Fleming, and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, uh, as we talked about elder law issues. And we do this every week. We are um, uh, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm, and uh, and we do elder law issues podcasts on a weekly basis. We hope you'll keep coming back and, and join us. Talk with you later.